is up, everybody? Welcome back to Potadelphia. This episode is brought to you by the letter Q. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by co-host C and co-host G. What's up, guys? Oh, nothing much. This cookie monster. Um, <laughs> no, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. You can also find Cookie Monster on Twitter. It's a good follow. I recommend. And this is Gene Zilak. You can find me at Producer Gene. And uh, I just want to say that, um, you know, I'm still the co-host of this show until, like, guaranteed Tuesday. But, I mean, after that, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> well, for, for for those of you that found that intro a little too obtuse, we are going to talk about uh, flyers and uh, some coaching moves maybe happening, uh, maybe did happen. I don't know. Uh, but before we can get to that, oh, my God, the Eagles went to L.A. and beat the freaking Rams <laughs> with Nick goddamn Foles. <laughs> Again, uh, I, I am in disbelief um we've mentioned a lot on the show of the you know ongoing text chat we have with us and some of our other friends who are sports fans and i you know there was a lot of optimism for Foles, and i legitimately said the eagles are going to lose by 20 tomorrow and, <laughs> and we somehow won and and looked good doing it like like right we did actually look good in the game too right Yes, and you know, this is the thing, right? Everyone is going to focus on Nick Foles. Nick Foles is going Nick Foles did it again. Here it is. Saint Nick, and a Christmas miracle, uh touched by God. All this stuff is going to happen. But I mean, the defense. I mean, the defense came through, right? It should be Jared Goff was touched by the uh defensive line a lot. I think that should <laughs> should be the uh <laughs> That should be the story. They seemed like, I think even Chris Collinsworth, one of the rare times he was, uh, you know, interesting to listen to tonight, said that every time Goff dropped back to pass, it felt like as soon as he let the ball go, he was getting punched in the chest. And that's kind of how I saw it, too. It, it seemed like every time Goff tried to settle in, he was getting not just hit, he got hit hard. Both quarterbacks in this game got absolutely pulverized. Both of them took really hard hits. This is one of those games that, you know, I know the NFL wants to protect quarterbacks, but man, like both these guys seemed like they were, they were getting thumped. Um, so yeah, that to me was the story of the game. I feel like the way the defensive line played had, had they been doing this all year, things might be different. They let's they talk, were dominant. Let's talk about the Rams. This is, this is, I'm going to give you uh league rankings along with the points per game. 32.7, third in the league. Yards per game, 422, second in the league. Passing yards per game, 289, fourth in the league against LeBlanc. And uh, who's the other one? Bosby. Oh, my God. Rushing yards, 132, fourth in the league. After what After what Barkley and, and Zeke Elliott do to us all year long, we come in here and do what we did tonight. Maybe it is a miracle. Is there any chance that Nick Foles was actually like doubling as a cornerback at some point? Was was that also <laughs> happening? Because maybe it was his height that was kind of keeping things off balance. <laughs> See, that's the Philly defensive special. 
he called that and he went up to Schwartz called the Philly defensive special and and you know that that really turned the game around and speaking of Schwartz up until I don't know what the last eight minutes of the game I loved his play calling I love it, it was aggressive it wasn't the we'll give you the middle of the field you know we'll let you get to the 20 and hope that we stop you it was you know like Gene was talking about the just punishing and it felt like old school football I, you know hearing these hard hits that i'm just expecting to see a flag after but oh man it was so much fun to watch yes it was exciting and is this just the evolution of like getting guys coached up i mean of course we're going to see regression immediately when you know we're down to our fifth string cornerback but i mean now that we've had time to work with yeah, I mean, the we, we I mean, and Devante. I mean, maybe maybe we, we take for granted the fact that those guys that had gotten injured had had months of work in the system. And now you've got guys that when they first came in, we're talking people that had no reps, very few reps coming into these games. And finally, after a couple of weeks, they're finally maybe at game speed, game conditioning uh, are finally being able to kind of see the game slow down in front of them. I still think that they're undermanned and certainly undersized in those spots. But I think that once the defensive, there's something to be said for the fact that maybe the coaches know how to play to these guys' strengths now, know where to roll uh, help in certain spots now that they kind of know these personalities and know their their strengths. I thought Maddox in particular flashed a couple of times and had a really good game. Uh, I think that if the, uh, out of this whole thing, he might be the the gem of these kind of like walk on, for lack of a better term, uh, secondary players. Yeah, I mean, Rasul Douglas had a nice game today. I mean, the entire secondary played great. The defensive line played great. I mean, I I, I don't know. Do they get Jack for Nick? They said the that they prefer Nick Foles. I mean, the the, the word the word cloud did say leader. So, I mean, I guess maybe that that could kind of include the defense also felt led, you know, by Nick Foles, uh, you know, circle of influence. Well, I mean, um, you see, you see in hockey a lot, the the backup goaltender effect that, you know, the team's playing better D, you know, more conservative just to help the guy out. I mean, it's it's not the same with football. It's you know a different side of the ball, but you know maybe it is the case. Maybe we're going, hey, we don't have the dynamic quarterback in here. We gotta you know carry our own weight, which is awful. They should be doing it for the dynamic quarterback too. You know, Doug Peterson should be calling a more balanced you know offensive game. Um, you know, with Wentz in there as well, but. You know, maybe they really are stepping up to the backup quarterback. And very seriously, though, I think as much a factor in this is this was a playoff game. No ifs, ands, or buts. Last week was a playoff game, too. I'm <laughs> angry that they didn't have this kind of fight in them last week, uh, really for the last three weeks. But absolutely, without a doubt, tonight was a playoff game. And this was, we're on the road against a much better team, a much a, a very well-coached team, and a, a very talented team. And I'm really glad that we showed up. I'm glad that we didn't lay down. Hell yeah. And and the a quarterback has two best friends. The defense is one. Who's the other one? Alshon Jeffrey? <laughs> no, a running game. Yeah, a running. That's true. A running game. And, man, hey, I know we have been preaching it on this podcast. We have to stick with the running game. We had 111 yards rushing. 
Did we? Rams had eighty two. You would have never thought that that would if I if we said eighty two and and one eleven. We would have thought it was the, the other way. Yeah, we would have thought it was one hundred eleven for uh, for Todd Gurley alone. And Nick Foles, everyone's savior, no touchdowns, one pick. So I mean, he played great, but it was the running game that carried the day. You Thirty carries. Well, you take two the two away from Foles. Twenty eight carries. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it was it was they were consistent in places where even when it seemed like you know in the past they would go you know in the past they would they would just throw 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 you know you'd come out that you know you'd see them kind of try to find a rhythm in the passing game but um the the running game tonight is what really kept the rhythm of the of the of the game for us we were able to get some drives sustained pick up some first downs and certainly when we got into the red zone they they were committed to we're just going to pound this in from inside the tent and they did it three times um some things that happened in the game and we we joke about the um religious connection that Foles has with the g-man um but the that punt at the end of the game that was fumbled by the rams that had no no uh, eagle uh, intervention involved in creating this fumble, and thankfully there was not too many eagles around it, so that it was yeah. clearly able to be recovered. Did 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 the good Lord go down and give it a little boop? Yeah, his little pinky finger. Boop. I think it was definitely angels in the backfield there. Oh, um, good one. things were breaking our way so you know not not to you know devalue wentz's own religious fervor but i mean maybe whatever denomination that uh that falls is is the the true one so I don't know what their religious persuasions are, but maybe you want to go to Foles' church and not Wentz's. Well, pretty so- pretty soon there's going to be a branch, uh, maybe like the cathedral of the church of of Foles on on uh, on Broad Street. If the if he doesn't watch out. Well, if you told me, Dave, you have to either jump out of an airplane or field a punt in a tie game uh, in, a, in a professional football game. I, I think I would jump out of the airplane. Yeah, at least, I, at least they give you a parachute when you do that. I mean, it's terrifying. Just first off, just catching it seems to be insanely difficult to me. But with, you know, guys running at you like that, that's... Yeah, and you can't look at them. You're watching the punt come to you, and you you have to literally be hearing the footsteps, and you just would have to want to look, wouldn't you? Like... You know how how badly am I going to get creamed? I mean, before the before the snap, I would be waving my hands, going, "Fair <laughs> fucking catch! Don't Fair touch me! Catch. Nobody touch me!" It's remarkable our career in pro athletics <laughs> did not work out. What what does this win mean? What it does mean, it mean? It means we have to watch next week. Yeah, and I'm going to say we get to watch next week because I think I started last show. It was like, hey, we get our Sundays back. And we we were planning to record this during the game. We thought the game would be so inconsequential that we could just, you know, get on, <laughs> on here. And I don't think we should cop to that. Oh, <laughs> OK, sure. No, no, we were going to watch the whole thing. Um, <laughs> But it's there's hope there's hope i mean 
we don't control our own destiny, but I mean, know, but we basically do. With two wins, we have a lot of chances to get in the playoffs. I mean, the Vikings play. I can't believe I can't believe this is like the trajectory of this conversation. The Vikings play the the Lions and the Bears, right? I mean, well, but then the, we have to take into account the fact that the Bears have already clinched. But, but <laughs> go ahead, and make the point I was about to make, Dave. I mean, one more loss of the Rams or the Saints, and I mean they, they could be in it, right? For and actually, do we need a root for the Cowboys to win to put pressure on them? Well, the, I mean, the Cowboys just need one win to secure the the East. So right, but we are the, contending for a wild card. But I'm talking about to put pressure on the Bears. Oh, to make them play. Right. Okay. Yeah. And how do we? Is there a scenario that we get to play the Cowboys? God, I hope so. And back oh in Jerry God. World too, probably. Oh my God. I'd love it. I'd love it. But I, I, like again, I can't believe this is the trajectory of the conversation. Do you fully expect us to run the table at this point? Next week is is the hard game. If we if we get to if we get to you know if so we we'll win, next win week, and lose to the Redskins is what you're saying. I, I, I don't. I feel like if we get to that Redskins game and it means anything to us that the Redskins are in serious trouble. Like the Redskins, like they just can't. Like they cannot get their shit together. Like I know they won this week. I think they beat Jacksonville, who who may be yeah. in 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 more of a head case condition than than the Redskins. I just because it's the Redskins. It's down there though, right? Yeah, it's a, it's in uh, Washington, <sighs> which sucks. But I don't know, man. I, at this point, I got to take it week to week because it's an RFK. It's this this game. This was not the one I thought that there was any chance we would have. Like this, this there was no way I thought we would even have the, this. Was not a realistic possibility to me. I, we were two touchdown underdogs, and I thought that that was being generous. Um. All right. Would you have kicked that field goal at the end of the game? I would have. Uh. I mean, the practical thing is to, you know, to, to punt it away, give them the, the longest field possible. But we didn't win the Super Bowl by being practical. I mean, if we're trying to recreate last year, you know, <laughs> it's got to go with what, what got us there. So, you know, be daring in your, your play calling. Elliot's, you know, a good distance kicker. Go for it. Go for the win. I think so that I on, gone for it. on the road in that situation, with us already having seven, in the bank, uh, not that we were in a tie game. I think if we were in a tie game there, um, you punt, you know. But with us making them having to go down, they would still have to get the touchdown to tie. I say you, you, you'd you be bold. Well, I I would think if we were tied, we'd definitely kick the field, try to kick the field. Oh, when yeah, we get, yeah, yeah, to, to win, get a lead. To get a lead, but... All right, man, I don't know. Like, I am... Are you asleep tonight? I don't, I don't know if I can even sleep tonight. I didn't even drink a pot of coffee or anything. This game just naturally has me like hopped up on endorphins. Yeah. Is that what you get when you exercise? Yeah. I'm not familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's, somebody, okay. yeah, that's somebody else. We should have asked Dr. Keith. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to Dr. Keith. Uh, but man, I'm so fired up. Ah, talk about okay. The other big thing that happened today, Chuck, I'm getting I'm getting alerts on my phone <laughs> during the game. I was still seeing there was still news coming in, like as the Eagles were were kicking off and stuff. Who is the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers as of twelve ten a.m. on December seventeenth? Uh, 
it it is december 17th i'm actually literally checking right now but the last <laughs> time i checked it's like is it there a website like is 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 he alive or dead one of those one of those <laughs> sorts of things um well i mean it's i can't think of the line from slapshot of the who owned the chiefs like who coached the flyers um <laughs> and right now <laughs> is dave hackstall and this whole thing was crazy and i like texted you guys i think maybe as early as friday that there were some rumblings yeah. and then then yesterday like afternoon it was pretty much made explicit uh steph driver um from broad street hockey and then she's the editor for all of those sb nation hockey sites i think um put it out there on twitter that hackstall's gone at the end of the road trip and they're like pursuing uh quenville and then later charlie o'connor also from broad street hockey radio and the athletics said more or less he's heard similar things it wasn't as like fervent but you know everyone was saying yeah that's what's going on there everyone was pretty damn confident about it so it it felt like something that was going to happen and then dave isaac uh who i mentioned on the show before um put something out there put it in writing uh with the the courier post and saying sources say he's gone and they already have an agreement with joel quinville and that was it that was that was i want to say maybe around three o'clock this afternoon and uh yesterday afternoon and we were pumped this was as close to as official as we're going to get and then the national media um, started refuting it. Like, I think it was Darren Dreger and a couple other people just said, yeah, that's not what I'm hearing. And and everyone was like, well, what are they going to say? They're not going to say anything until they <laughs> fire the guy. <laughs> I got some traction on Twitter by going, he's on the plane. They're not going to fire him mid-flight, you know? <laughs> like, and as of now, he's not fired um right now it's looking like tomorrow at noonish is what i've heard most recently they have off ice practice for an indeterminate amount of time tomorrow and then that's on a team ice- meeting to announce that dave Haxall is no longer the coach of the philadelphia flyers right correct i mean it's gotta be and um the the one guy who covers the Phantoms, his name is Tony. His last name is something very Greek. Um, <laughs> uh, Papadopoulos. Greek. You know it's Papadopoulos. Uh, I want to say it's Papadopoulos, but it begins with an A, and then there's I, – I can't pronounce it. Anunakupo? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's not that, but um, – damn, now I have to look it up. Um, <laughs> he He's saying that it's, like, heavily rumored up there – that uh, Scott Gordon from uh, the Phantoms is going to be coming up at an interim basis again because Quenville, you know, doesn't want to have his yeah okay that's his holidays cut yeah so Saturday. it's Tony Androcatus. I was so close <laughs> yeah good follow uh, um good follow uh <laughs> so uh, so right now what is the percent chance that Dave Hackstall is the coach. I don't know, in two weeks. Oh, uh, I would two, two percent chance. I think I I don't think he makes it till Christmas. Um, there's a game on Tuesday. I don't think he's coaching that game. I think he is 
gone tomorrow. But this whole thing is really damn weird. And like Dave, you shared the one thing when you got the ESPN alert, and like you know, Flyers confirmed Dave Haxall is our coach. Yeah. It's just like a spokesman said. The what response? Dave Haxall is our coach, not like now yeah. and forever. It's right. just, and I'm like, that's like going like, hey, how are things going with you and and your wife? Like I, I, I here you guys. She's still my time. wife. <laughs> yeah, not even still. She is my wife. Not the old. Uh, it's not the old Chip Kelly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback for the next 99 years. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> 99 years. Two two centuries. Whatever reason. Yeah, but I mean, it's not the the world's strongest endorsement by currently stating a fact it's like yes he is our coach (laughs) well the the trouble is Um, that they had to make any kind of announcement about that at all you know what i mean this is not one of those things where you shouldn't be on a random sunday just having to confirm the coach of your team well i mean it's obvious where there's smoke there's fire like these reporters don't just report things that they're just made up it's it's obviously happening just this is not happening in the way that the Flyers organization would have liked it to happen or it leaked in a way that they didn't design it to be leaked, yeah. which is so typical Flyers. But see, that was the thing with Hextall. Nothing leaked under Hextall. Like, you know, him being a dick really, like, shut things down. And then the, he's gone. Everybody's got reports. I guess people yeah, are just so happy. To- saying, see, this is it. You give them an inch, they take a mile. <laughs> Bear the rod, spoil the child. Nobody would have leaked this under me. Exactly. Is it Hexall leaking it? How great would that be? It's like, I hear Hexall's gone tomorrow. (laughs) Coach Q Uh, is coming in. Is is Coach Q going to coach the Flyers at some point this year? I'd say yes. I'd say yes. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if this was last show or the show previous. I said that um, rumors were that he didn't want to coach at all this year. And then um, well, the year's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's I think he did that classic grade school joke. of <laughs> Like, see you next year. And by that, I mean, 2019. Um, but Elliot Friedman, I think, reported that he wanted to didn't want to start a new job till after the holidays. So he, I think he's like currently skiing. Like, so he just took a vacation and he's so in demand that he's going to go. Yeah. I'll see you on my schedule. <laughs> um, but I think that's the case. So I think they have a, an, a, you know, agreement in principle and we're just playing the waiting game. And the, the thing I can't get out of my head is that everyone was like watching the flyers flight home from Vancouver, thinking that, you know, once they got here, the announcement would be made and unless they shut off like internet on that flight you know everybody had to be like looking at their phones and just like being like super nice to hackstall it's like do you think hackstall got up and was like i got a few problems with you people <laughs> i hope so I, I i hope he gets like a ride into the Voorhees tomorrow and is already in the bag <laughs> um let's Let's all go around and uh, share our favorite Dave Hackstall moment. Wow! Of the Dave Hackstall era, what what what, what moment do you say? Like, man, I always remember Dave Hackstall doing this. 
because I don't remember anything and he was kind of boring and uh, I'm excited to get some like charisma. I'll always remember Dave Haxtall with his plan to put people in the press box just to watch how hockey is played. I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Like that's the that's the that's the mark of the Dave Haxtell era, right? Like I can't I can't think of anything else that really defines him. Like there's nothing about his style of play that's like that's that's such a Haxtell way to play. Or like when you say Laviolette, I'm like jam. Right. <laughs> like automatically. Or, or you immediately think of him like up on a bench like pointing his finger at a Penguins coach. Like that like you just you you know, the fire in the guy. They were punching Philly Leno in the head to make, <laughs> during a, a timeout. His timeouts. Oh, God, I miss Lavi and his timeouts. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I think of with Dave Haxall. Mostly just aggravation. Um, and mishandling of the goalies, too. Like, I think I think Elliot had 16 straight starts last year at one point. Bananas. Yeah, it's just. Oh, and Mason, too. Uh, the, uh, the first year I think uh, Haxel was here, like the run up to the playoffs, he just rode Mason the entire time. Like we and didn't give. I think it was Stolars, who's now hurt, um, but I think it was Stolars who was backing him up and didn't see a minute of playing time until maybe the last game of the year, and then Mason was like injured in the, you know in the playoffs if the head so, coach of the phantoms comes up for let's say two weeks three weeks whatever it is does he bring carter hart with him just you know to have a buddy well, he might have played goal i mean <laughs> like nothing um because elliot we don't know when he's coming back uh stolars is injured Neuvert is currently not injured, but he's with his wife waiting for like the birth of their second child. That's not uh, fair. He's always hurt. Now he's got to wait for a baby. I, 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 he's probably just hurt. He's probably wanted to give a different excuse. And so like all we have is Lion. Like that's it. That is the only healthy goalie non, you know, not in the maternity ward that we have so i mean maybe carter hart's backing up on tuesday that would be exciting we got nick Foles back we got carter hart up like this is just i'm just so excited about all the changes that are going on if we got a new coach coming in we got an interim coach <laughs> we got cornerbacks that we've heard of for three weeks now it's all very it's all very exciting <laughs> but now ladies and gentlemen uh, we uh we'd like to with all the injuries that have been going on with the with the Carson Wentz news with uh with Markel Fultz uh saga um we need to we need to get some clarity around this we need to get to the the facts uh so now we'd like to share with you uh an interview that we recorded before the game tonight um with what looks to be our our resident Potadelphia physician. This is who we're going to go to whenever we need uh, medical advice on any of our sports teams. So uh, without further ado, let's roll the tape. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a very special guest with us tonight. Uh, and and we hope if all, if all things go well, um, our guest here tonight could could be our resident 
medical advisor here on Potadelphia. Welcome to the show, Dr. Keith Heck. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, to be joining you guys. This is my first podcast ever, so this is uh, this is exciting. That's funny. It's our first podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We're in it together then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, doctor, you are you are not my personal doctor uh that that i see when i have a, a a cold or a flu here so so why don't you give us our your credentials to to speak about professional sports injuries yeah so um so professionally you know my specialty is i'm a physician and uh, my specialty is sports medicine um so i specialize in, a, in an array of um all sorts of sports injuries from head to toe um and i deal with a lot of athletes on a daily basis and um, from high school to collegiate, and uh, one of the teams that I cover is actually the Reading Phillies. And uh, previously, prior to that, I actually covered the Reading Royals, which is a Flyers affiliate, and then the Philadelphia Union as well in the past. So, oh, so you do have experience with lower and upper body injuries. Correct. All right. That's fantastic. A little of everything. So let's get right into it. Uh, the big news this week, Carson Wentz cracked vertebrae. Is that is that the so is, am I getting that right? They're cracked. So so yes. So technically speaking, it's it's cracked. Um, everything I'm reading about, is he has a stress fracture uh, in his back. Um, the medical term is spondylolysis, but it's a stress fracture in the back. Um, there's actually some other Philadelphia athletes who have had this injury in the past. Uh, Joel Embiid, if you guys remember his time at Kansas when he had to miss uh, all of March Madness, he, he was out for three months. Um, and also, I believe Cole Hamels had the same injury in, in the past, too. So it is actually a pretty common uh, injury that, um, that athletes get. Um, it's not necessarily career-threatening. It's, I think, more of a nuisance uh, down the road, uh, I think, given that the sport that he plays, I think causes a little concern for everybody involved. But, um, you know, I, I did read some media reports that he had this similar injury back when he was in college at North Dakota State. Um, so there's a lot of variables that go into this, but, um, but everything I'm reading that he does have a cracked vertebrae or more or less a stress fracture in the back. So, well, first off, thank goodness for this stress fracture because it's how we got Joel Embiid, right? If, if he never got this injury, we, he would never be a sixer. That is that is correct, and, and, and I will kind of lead that into Carson Wentz, and this might be even a blessing in disguise for Wentz because with his ACL injury and with that posterior lateral corner injury, he, he's back to playing football um, a lot sooner than he should be. Um, his nine-month return is, is remarkable, and he's probably you know putting himself at risk of injury with this injury um so in my opinion it's a blessing in disguise that he has us to sideline and give him more time to recu recuperate from that knee so listening to that list of the different athletes cole hamels joel Embiid, carson wentz i guess uh, i was under the impression that he probably received this from some sort of a of a hit but you don't necessarily take the same kind of hits in baseball and, and bas basketball that you would getting sacked you know by a linebacker so what kind of thing can cause this sort of fracture if not strictly from you know taking a taking a blow a lot of times it's it's not from a traumatic hit that causes a stress fracture in the vertebrae it's usually due to a repetitive stress on the, on the lumbar spine um it's very common in offensive linemen it's very common in gymnasts very common in weightlifters and it's due to a repetitive hyperextension of your low back 
uh, day in and day out. And it just gets to a point where that bone starts to fatigue from the overstress. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a very slow process that occurs rather than a, an acute onset, traumatic onset. So um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, maybe um, a lot of the repetition that he's doing with his workouts, his lifting, um, just his general activity level and the way he kind of twists and, and torts his body on a day in and day out basis. Is it possible that through the process of recovering from the from the knee, maybe doing trying to get back fast, that he may have done some things that kind of aggravated this sort of, I don't know, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think um, I think initially our first video of Carson Wentz is him throwing on his on his butt in the weight room. Um, so that's a pretty unnatural throw. But he he was probably pushing it a little bit to get back to you know, to strengthen from his back, his core all the way down his legs to, to get back as soon as possible. So all right, I think he probably pushed it a, a little bit. Um, but he also had a pre existing injury to to the back in the past from everything I see. There was a tweet earlier this week from Jason Martinez who said that there was some knowledge that this stress fracture fracture existed um, before, like the team had knowledge of it, but did not make Carson Wentz aware of it. And I know Doug got a lot of pressure in the most recent press conferences about, you know, how long did you know? Um, So, I mean, are you buying that it was, you know, we did a scan, it wasn't there. We did a scan, it wasn't there. This week we did a scan and now it's there. So typically the way this plays out is, you know, if an athlete comes to you, whether it's the athletic trainer, whether, whether it's the physical therapist, um, those are the guys that are, are at the training facility day in and day out. The physicians are probably there once or twice a week and, and everything kind of gets funneled that there's a serious issue to the doc. But the way this typically plays out, you know, you're at week 10, 12, 14 of a football season. People are going to have general aches and pains. And he probably had some low back pain for, for a couple of weeks that they're treating as this general soreness and a strain. And then they got an x-ray, I'm you know, assuming that's the first step. And a lot of times an x-ray um, is negative and, and will not show it. And then, you know, I guess they saw the x-rays. I'm, I'm only assuming this. They saw the x-rays. They said everything looks good. And they kind of continued on their way to, you know, he probably had some rehab with the trainers and has kind of took it on a week-to-week basis. And then his pain probably got progressively worse. At that point, you know, um, it was probably decided that he needed an MRI or a CAT scan. Um, I know he had multiple scans. I'm not quite sure what. Um, and then at that, that point, they probably saw that there was a little bit more than what the x-ray showed initially. Um, now, whether they didn't tell him the results, I find that a little hard to believe, um, that they kind of kept him out of the loop, you know, that he had an MRI and they didn't tell him what the results are for a week or two just for the sake of, you know, making him play. But um, you know, that, that, that's hard to believe, but it is professional sports. I think, um, you know, probably the health of the athlete is not always the utmost priority all the time. Have you ever seen anything like that, an injury that was just kept from a, a player? I mean, what would be the ethical implications of something like that? I, I have never seen that in, in, you know, I've been in practice for four or five years now, um, and I've never heard of something like that. So, yeah, there's absolutely ethical implications to that. The, the guy's playing a contact sport with an active fracture in his back that, you know, if he, if he gets cracked there one more time, I mean, he started his career off with, you know, some rib fractures and, and things like that. And that whole, you know, spinal region and, and rib region and chest region. So, you know, there's, there's a hundred, there's absolutely an ethical issue there. Um, but it's hard to speculate whether that's, that's true or not, but you know, that, that's certainly an ethical issue to withhold that information 
of a significant spinal injury from an athlete and, and still allow him to play for two weeks. So probably a great chance that that's that that information's probably bad. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, we mentioned that Carson had this issue in college and now it's cropping up again. Is is his back stress fracture prone? Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. So the, so there's probably I mean, you know, future risk is is determined by past events. So he's had a stress fracture in the past. Now, I don't know if it's the same section, same location. Now, that, that all makes a difference. Now, we're assuming that his stress fracture is a recurrent stress fracture from what he had in college. Um, that's common. That can flare up on you. And when that does happen, that's usually you know two to six weeks. Let it calm down, do some rehab, and then you're back at it. Now, if it's a new stress fracture in a different location, you know that could be a good solid three, four months out until that, that area settles down. Um, and they're saying the the rehabilitation of this does not involve surgery. Correct. I have not seen any cases of surgery for this. Now, um, textbook wise, can you do surgery? Yes. Does it ever come down to that? No. Yeah. I mean, uh, what what kind of surgery would you do? I mean, would you have to go and put a, a plate or a screw or buddy, something in? I mean, it could be it could be a screw, um, or they could put a bone graft in there to fill in the crack and, and maybe maybe a, a screw to, to reinforce it. Um, I mean, it is very rarely done and it's probably not, not enough literature out there that has a standard of care of what to exactly do surgically, but um, it's very rare. I have not seen anyone ever get it. So basically for Carson to get better, he needs to not go to work, play PlayStation and just chill yeah, yeah, a little, little Fortnite. Some Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix and chill. But not too aggressively chill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He needs to do some rehab in between, uh, okay. in between there. All right. Uh, I mean, is there anything else we should know about Carson's injury? So he's going to be 100 next year. I would be more worried about his knee than his back. Really? Yes. So you from what, from what you... We're talking over each other again. Uh, I yeah. was going to say, from what you've seen, because uh, you said earlier that um, you were kind of uh, surprised at his his recovery so fast. Is there anything you've seen in what he's doing that uh, makes you feel like maybe his knee is not? You know, we've been kind of led to believe by him playing that his knee is good to go. But from everything I've heard, that is a two year for real recovery before your knee is back. Do you think that there's something that you see that? it's not right yet or do you think that it's a mental thing he's still favoring it or do you think he actually still has symptoms so you know it, it's funny i actually a couple of weeks ago there was a study that came out with his um his his injury is not your run-of-the-mill acl injury he had that lcl that kind of goes with it uh, which makes things a lot more complicated and you're absolutely right this could be a lot of times a year and a half two year uh, recovery period um and, and just watching as a fan, the product that he's delivering on the field, his, his escapability, his maneuverability, um, his quickness and his quick twitch uh, kind of reaction is definitely there's a difference from how he was last year. I think I think part of that, I don't think there's one single issue. I think part of that is, uh, you know, there is a mental component to it. And there's also, I, I think, it's absolutely a physical component to it. Um, so I think it's a little little bit of both, um, and, I, and then I can tell on the field, and I think a lot of fans that don't have my background can tell that he's not 
as mobile, he's not getting kind of tied up in, in, in between sacks and then kind of squirting out of a, a pile or a sack and running for 15, 20 yards like he, like he did last year. Um, and, and hopefully that kind of um, comes back next year. All right. Well, we only have you for a few more minutes, so I want to move on to the Markel Fultz saga. <laughs> yeah. Thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, is this a real thing? This is absolutely a real thing. Sounds made up. It is not a made up thing. It is it is a very hard diagnosis to make. Um, there's a lot of different variations to it. Really? Whether he actually has it or not, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, you got to take his word for it and his agent slash lawyer's word for it. Um, well, here's what I want to ask. You, yeah. You, you mean, we watch every Sixers game, right? Mm-hmm. So you've seen him play. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen him do some pretty athletic things on the court. Yeah. Uh, now we've seen the diagnosis after he's seen a, a multitude of, of physicians. Um, and now you're hearing what the the recovery time or the rehabilitation program uh, is going to be for him. Does this all add up? The initial Sixers press release, I believe, is three to six weeks of physical therapy. Right. Um, I think that's pretty optimistic. I would I would be surprised if he's recovered in three to six weeks. I think there's a lot that goes into it. If this um, really has, you'd be if shocked. That's what he has, and 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 it depends on, on what the cause of it is. Um, there's a lot of different causes of it, and you know some people have an extra rib, um, some people have scar tissue in their neck. Um, if it's just scar tissue and they got to work out through some muscle imbalances, you know it, it could be, you know, six to twelve weeks or so. But I, I think in addition to that. You know, once he gets healthy, he's going to have to rework that shot. I mean, that's that's going to take some time too. Um, so it, it's a fixable issue. Um, a lot of times, it does end up in a surgical issue. So I won't be surprised if he truly has TOS or thoracic outlet syndrome. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a surgical procedure done if they can't get this worked out with physical therapy. So but we, three to six weeks, I think, is very optimistic. What is the goal of therapy to try to take pressure off of a certain place or strengthen a certain muscle group or something in the in the, in the actual neck or shoulder? Yeah. So, so what the deal is, is, you know, he has neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. So from your neck to underneath your collarbone, as it passes the kind of the you know, your, your pec area, you have a group of muscles or a group of nerves and group of blood vessels. And when that nerve gets pinched, whether through your neck or underneath your collarbone in between the ribs, you know, that, that can alter a lot of your, your, you know, gross and fine motor movement. So the goal of therapy for that, if you don't have it, some people have an extra rib. And, and when that happens, you gotta, you have to have surgery to get the rib taken out. But if assuming he doesn't have an extra rib, there's scar tissue within the neck muscles kind of over here. And then also your, your pec minor, your pec muscle that attaches here. So if they can um, kind of soften that scar tissue up, really st- stretch those muscles out and restore the muscle imbalances between his shoulder blades and his pec muscles and his shoulder, you can give that nerve a little bit more room to breathe, then allowing him to re- restore his strength and function. Where, where would the extra rib be? Up near your collarbone? It's called a cervical rib. So it would actually be just above your collarbone. So it's kind of right in this region. 
over here. Doctor Keith is indicating at the base of his neck. That's right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on camera. I forgot I'm on podcast. But yeah, it, it's right here. Here's your first rib, and then the cervical rib would be right up here. And as you can see, that would kind of you know right above your collarbone. That would create an area of impingement. Wow. On that nerve. Um, but so, I mean, to my earlier point, he's done, he's played games. We've seen him make athletic plays, driving mm -hmm. to the basket. Um, would, I mean, would he be, is he experiencing pain when he's doing this? Or, I mean, is... some people do, some people don't. Um, you know, if there's a, you, you can have pain. Yes. Um, listen, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to separate the fan in me. And then yeah. also what I do as a profession, but um you know, I, I hope that's what's going on because then there's a fix. Um, I, I see him drive to the basket, and I've seen him kind of, you know, some pure, pretty powerful kind of slams and slam dunks with that arm, which kind of makes it a little harder to believe. But um, right. who knows? Who knows? Um, but but it's a legitimate thing. It is a fixable thing. It's more common in, in, in baseball players and swimmers, but it doesn't mean – other athletes of other sports can't get it. Um, have but, you ever have you ever treated one? And and what yes, what what did yeah. the person who you treated how did how did they figure out that they had it? What was were they unable to pitch? Were they unable to swim? It, it pain. It was unable to progress back to full activity. Pitch, swim. I've even had a, a field hockey player who doesn't have to do a whole lot of you know um, overhead movement cause pain. Um, so yeah, it, there's a lot of pain and limitation uh, to it. And, and, and it is, it is a hard, it is usually a diagnosis of exclusion. Um, typically, you know, some people, you know, they'll, they'll end up seeing a third or fourth or fifth doctor before it's, it's um, discovered, or if they stick with their first doc, it may take, you know, six, nine months to, to figure it out because you're, you're doing MRIs and then you repeat an MRI and then, or you do a cortisone shot and, or you tweak their physical therapy and they come back to you and they're still not right. And they're still not better. And then you just kind of go down your, your list or your algorithm of what it could be. It's, it's, it's a rare condition. And then eventually you start to order, sometimes you order a nerve test or, or blood vessel test, and, and some things may become, become a little bit more clear as time goes on and with repeat examination. So it's not something that you go to see a doctor and they're diagnosing that right off the bat. Um, I, well, this kind of, I mean, it keeps feeding into a narrative that the 76ers medical staff is not on the ball all the time, or, I mean, at least from the information that they get out to the fans, um, it, I mean, it looks really shady. Like Markel goes to his own doctor outside of our, our staff and, and boom, there's this diagnosis. Yeah. Well, he, um, well, I will say in full disclosure, I have met and, and not worked with, but the Sixers team doc and he's excellent. Um, I don't, you know, they're, they're docs that they have on staff. They're, they're no dummies. I, I think there's a lot of other factors at play with agents and players and a lot of other forces. And, and some of the, the, the specialists that he, Markel has seen are pretty top notch guy. He's, he saw a guy, Dr. Keebler in Kentucky, uh, I guess who diagnosed the scapular dyskinesis, and, and this is this. I mean, these guys. I guess Dotson is the, the you know, Sixers team doc, and then Keebler um, in Kentucky. They're they're, they're excellent. I, I actually think Dotson might be a consultant for for the Los Angeles Dodgers as well. Um, so so these are no dummies. Um, so so the, the the guys that he saw pre previously to whoever made this diagnosis of TOS. Um, I find it hard to believe that it was eventually that they missed it. I, I think there may have been some discussion about it or, 
or not, but um, it's not an easy diagnosis to make. That's for sure. All right. Well, I think we are out of time. We are all going to log off now and, and go watch the Eagles and, and the, the return of Nick Foles. Um, any any predictions for the game tonight, even though we'll be listening to this well, afterwards? I think I think Foles is going to get hurt, and then Sudfeld is going to come back in and, and lead on the victory in the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. And it's another excuse to have you back on the show so we can talk about Nick Foles' injury. <laughs> right. his, uh, his free agent value. That's right. All right, Dr. Keith, thank you so much uh, for coming on, and we'd love to have you back to talk more uh, injuries. Hopefully they won't happen, but when they do. Yeah, well, Philadelphia, so it's, it's always, uh, there's always never a dull moment. So I had a blast. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, you bet. Thanks again. All right, and we're back just in time to take a trip to Chuck's penalty box. Okay, so Gene, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Well, it was hard not to put Chris Collingsworth in the penalty box because he's really freaking annoying. But I'm actually going to put fans of the Los Angeles Rams in the penalty box because when we got into the fourth quarter of that game, all I heard were Eagles fans. And L.A., you have been waiting for football apparently for a long time, and now you have a team that is very seriously going to contend to win the NFC. And I get it. Like, it was a close game, but where are you? Show up. Were you stuck in traffic? We we saw how bad traffic was coming into the stadium. Was that where you were? Because it didn't sound like there was a lot of L.A. hype in that stadium at the end of that game. All right. Into the penalty box are all of the Rams fans, and they fit nicely in the penalty box, all three of them. They're going to get a uh, delay of game due to smog. That's a two-minute delay of game due to smog. Dave. Dave, who is in your penalty box? I am putting White Sox general manager Rick Hahn into my penalty box this week. Look, back up off of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. You're, <laughs> you're not even the most popular baseball team in your city. Take a step back and let us operate here. Because uh, I don't need you messing up my Christmas and trying to sign Bryce Harper. I, I see what you're doing over there. I see what you're doing. You're signing Manny Machado's brother-in-law to play first base. I see what you're doing there. You don't like him that much. $9 million a year. Get out of here. So uh, in my penalty box, I'm putting Rick Hahn. And also, um, I have an article coming out uh, this week. For Geekade, and we're going to post it to the potadelphia.com uh, site um, about how Rick Hahn is the Grinch who's trying to steal our Christmas. So, Rick Hahn in my penalty box. All right. Rick Hahn is getting a uh, five minute major for invading our space. Uh, Harper and Machado, they got a man. Back off. They're covered. <laughs> And real quick on Dave's article, he didn't mention it, but it rhymes. It is um, an homage to uh, the Grinch, and he put a lot of really clever work into it. And I, I wasn't expecting it uh, when he shared it with us. I just started reading. I'm like, holy crap, this whole thing rhymes. So <laughs> do, do check it out. Who's um, in your penalty box, Chuck? 
All right. In my penalty box is the NHL schedule maker, specifically whoever handles the Flyers West Coast, uh, Western Canadian trip. Fuck that guy. Yes, indeed. Because it used to always coincide with the Disney on Ice away trip. Disney on Ice <laughs> comes in December 26th through uh, like New Year's Eve. And it used to always coincide with that. We would go out, you know, me, one West Coast team, but, you know, Calgary, um, Edmonton, and Vancouver. And Vancouver was almost always on New Year's Eve. And I loved it. It was a great holiday tradition. You we you do so many things around the holidays, and you get home, you get home a little bit late, you sit down, and you sit down to just the start of the hockey game. It was perfect. A lot of times you're off of work, you can sleep in. It was a favorite holiday tradition of mine, and they're screwing with it. It hasn't been around for at least a couple of years now. So NHL schedule maker, um, you are double booked. And you are going in the penalty box for four minutes. Maybe you start a new tradition and just go to Disney on Ice. Yeah, there's not enough fights. Not enough fights in Disney on Ice. Uh, all right, everybody. That's uh, that's all the time we have for today. Um, join us. Oh, midweek. Join us midweek this week. Make sure you subscribe so you get all the bonus episodes dropped in. Um, but we're going to talk about the 50th anniversary of Philadelphia fans throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. The ah! infamous Santa Claus incident that gets referenced every goddamn game that we play in December. Uh, it's obligatory for national media to, to to mention this. And it didn't quite go down the way everyone kind of describes it. Not even uh, going down. So um, we're going to exercise the Santa demons this week that's nice imagery to bring up <laughs> on christmas week exercise the santa demons um all right and then join us on our our regular day uh next monday are we going to record a show next monday well we would record sunday for monday okay even though christmas is coming we're going to stick with it huh or, all right look at us yeah dedicated and having this meeting on the air so yeah. apparently we are yeah doing we're right. going to talk about I see how agreeable we are with each other. We're going to talk about the Eagles big win over the Texans. We're going to talk about uh, Manny Machado's visit to citizens bank park on Thursday. Uh, we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler's podcast appearance. Oh my gosh. I'm so, yeah, we didn't even get to that. Today. It'll this, keep, this it'll keep awesome stuff. Uh, but if you haven't listened to that, you should go listen to that. The JJ Reddick podcast uh, to prepare for our podcast next week, because hint, it's an awesome interview. Um, and then we're going to get this whole mess with the Flyers sorted out. So until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We'll see you midweek. 